Welcome back, gamers. It is the Gift of Gaming podcast, and this week we're all about the news. Once again, it's spooky season October, and we've got a lot of ground to cover, from Disney taking a step forward, Unity taking a step back, and the infamous Microsoft acquisition finally making ground. Okay, it's me, it's your host, Darren Wade, and today I'm joined by the old reliable, one of my fellow anchor men for the news, Luke, Mr. Xbox Games Pass himself, Maycock. Luke, how are you? I'm doing great, Darren. I'm doing great. How are you keeping? I'm not too bad. I think you were missing our Canadian friend. He's actually in Canada, believe it or not, just brushing up on the accent. <laughs> I think he took it a bit too personally when I accused him of not being a full-time Canadian, Canadian. last He was like, I better, I better go home for a while and leave these guys like, to fucking sort, the, right. sort their shit out themselves. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's just you and me. And, you know, thank God there's only the two of us because, uh, Luke, I've looked over October and it is a pretty scarce month of news. Yeah, that's okay. Those happen every now and then. Yeah, no, news, no news is good news, I guess? No news is kind of good news. Yeah, you don't want... You don't want yeah most of the time it is bad news isn't it so this is the thing right there is uh you know and i never i think it is probably important to talk about it but i don't like getting into it too much but there was a lot of video game industry layoffs this month oh, and i didn't yeah, really okay. want to put them in because that's you know it's all sad stuff and my heart goes out to anybody who lost a job in the gaming industry um you know i hope you guys can get back on your feet and get out there but th- yeah i was looking through the news and it was mostly mostly bad stuff and i was like i'll find a couple of fun articles and they are okay but before we get into that luke because we probably have a little bit of time to kill in this episode uh, how are you how are you keeping what are you playing uh keeping well playing a fair few things uh, i think i was showing you last week i got a little uh, retro handheld emulator Mew mini plus i actually went and you sent me the link and i bought one oh, yesterday no but i didn't go for the mini would you believe i actually oh. was looking up a couple of reviews and there was one that spoke out to me a bit more i cannot for the life of me. I, you, you, you tell me about your mini while i look yeah. up my receipt to find out what it was i actually yeah, bought. there's a few there's a few great ones on the market and there's loads of comparisons out there they're all they're like pretty much most of them are fantastic it's very rare that you find one that's not worth its weight um but the the Mio mini is class for me just because the form factor and um, it can do it to ps1 so lately i've been dipping into a bit of uh my main two have been like tony hawks pro skater which i actually never played when i was a kid when it came out yeah number one or number one yeah number one yeah okay and i I only got onto it in two and three yeah and one is great one is a really solid game and uh playing that and playing some pokemon pinball on the game boy advance nice which is such a strange experience to be like so addicted to but i i played like I think it was two weeks ago I got sucked into a 90-minute game of it. Just 90 minutes playing the one game, three balls, or I think I got a fourth at one point. And, oh, my God, I just couldn't escape. I couldn't put it down. I got a ridiculous score. Um, high but, score, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, a personal high score. And I've gotten way better at the game since. And even in spite of getting way better, that high score I got, like it must have been a month ago now, is still like four times anything that I've reached since yeah, then. It's a long so game. it's uh, it's it's cracked. It's been it's been mental. But uh, that's pretty much it for me. Just some kind of retro game is going on. What about yourself? What do you? Well, if funny because I saw you had the what's it called the Miu Mini. Yeah, Miu Mini. Mini Plus, Miu yeah. Mini. I saw it and I you know had a we were playing Smash Brothers up in Craig's the nice mm. and I took a look at it and you were playing Metal Gear Solid. Um, the first one um on ps1 on it mm-hmm. and i was like this is exactly what i was looking for for, for one particular reason an expensive thing to go and buy just for one game but there's one game in particular i'm really keen to play which is pokemon emerald green because i never played it oh yeah i'm the exact same i, I never, never played, played pokemon emerald and i started my first ever playthrough on my miu mini and it's i love it so much people it's, have said like i've been looking at the list of like you know the greatest pokemon games and emerald uh ruby red and emerald green are like up there as the the almost apart from i think it's quite close then between like gold and sapphire i think were hugely yeah there's gold well-renowned. gold silver and crystal gold and silver then, yeah and then that generation is ruby sapphire and emerald is the middly one that's the crystal of that generation is emerald yes um yeah no really highly rated but i think like we grew up together we went to school and went through pokemania together as kids and i think we all kind of rolled off pokemon it kind of became uncool to be into pokemon when those games were coming out for mm-hmm. our age anyway uh so i don't think any of us really dug our teeth into like ruby sapphire yeah. emerald and here i am in my 30s going right back <laughs> going to back it's cool again <laughs> to be into pokemon I it hope. is it's fun and um, it's, it's nice apart from that i've been um I tr- i'm trying to uh, you know break mask getting into Baldur's gate again because nice. we did our part one last week um <laughs> which i was saying to you before the show was an absolute mess of a show because there's so much in that game to cover and we talked for so long about 
like just characters and I, like it was a full hour and something minutes I never really felt we scratched the surface of that game at all I just don't think we did it any justice I mean I had a fun time but I was like I had so much left on my list to cover of things that we didn't even touch upon yeah. um, but I am kind of cracking into that to get Act 2 done for you know our Act, our act 2 section of Baldur's Gate Review which probably do sometime in November I guess hmm. um, but also apart from that I have sunk my teeth very deeply into Final Fantasy 7 Remake oh really playing okay, through it yeah. so I played through it um, when it came out in 2020 uh, played through it and then played through it like straight away again on on hard you know so it took me i'd say with those two playthroughs i did over the course of maybe like eight months do you know what I mean? a little gap in between and then popping back to do different bits on hard and i have the fondest memory of that game because it was during covid and kev b who'd be on the podcast a lot um you know with three of us bonded over final fantasy is how we became friends yeah. in school so when i was playing through that game during covid we were all in lockdown uh he was in, living in new zealand at the time he was also in lockdown and we'd be playing through the game at relatively the same rate. And I'd call him in my morning or my evening, depending on how it was going. And I'd go for a walk just to get out of the house in the evening after playing through a session and give Kev a call. And it'd be his morning time in New Zealand. And he would have just done the same section the night before. Yeah. We had this big, long chat breaking it down. But I've kind of sat down with headphones on and like just walking through every area, just like I'm totally immersed and finding lots of things I never found in it in my other playthroughs. And just, I think with all the rebirth, Final Fantasy VII rebirth stuff uh, coming out that I've seen over the past couple of weeks, I'm just, yeah. I've got Final Fantasy VII fever big time. Yeah, And uh, I tried playing through Seven original on the Switch. Um, I thought I'd get, be able to get back into that, but I didn't really fall into that. I was like, I think I need yeah. remake again. And it's been, it's been an absolute blast. It's tough to seek your sink your teeth into seven again i'm sure after going through a remake because it it is like a, a game of its time like it was revolutionary for when it came out yeah. but it's yeah. i still love how it looks and it doesn't yeah. play badly or anything like that it's just it's um my problem is i'm, I'm looking looking at these games as a from a completionist perspective i'm like oh i'd love to play through Fantasy seven and do all the things that i re- never really did when i played through it the first time like try and get air its ultimate limit break before she spoilers kicks the bucket mm-hmm. and uh i was trying to do that and i was ru- just ruining the fun of the game for me oh, just kind of like grinding that in particular is really hard there's like so much rng oh, involved in it oh my god yeah and i yeah. was like no this isn't i was like looking at stuff online looking at people did it and i said you know what this isn't worth it and put it down but i think it's one of those things that if i pick it back up i just i'm just going to play it for the story and yeah. forget about all that that bonus stuff mm-hmm. otherwise i've been getting spooked playing some call of duty Warzone zombies oh yeah i heard someone mention that zombies was a thing again <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's great yeah. it, it's it's been a lot of fun it's been really really it has been actually quite scary i stayed up late one night this week uh having a go of it and uh, that classic thing and you know battle royale you get knocked out you turn into a zombie mm. and then in order to, to turn out of a zombie you got to pick up some, some antidotes off the, the dead bodies of other players and then you can come back as a player but i had this amazing um amazing run where i was a zombie for ages do you know what I mean but we were in the desert of of the, of the map and there's two guys left so it's basically last man standing wins there's two guys left one was on a quad bike and the other guy was on a dirt bike like riding over these sand dunes in the corner of the level and i had proximity chat on so i was running with about 20 or 30 other zombies trying to chase these guys off the quad bikes and dirt bikes and all of us were like because you got proximity chat so the moment people are close you can just hear people chatting and i was laughing my head off and so were so many other people and this one guy shared out he was like this is like a fucking movie this is amazing because all of us were just like jumping chasing after these guys on quad bikes and motorbikes just having the the best fun so that was that was good but they have um a jump scare option in it that you can turn on and off okay and if you have it on anytime you open a crate or open a cash register or anything like that uh you've got a chance of a thing just jumping up at the front of the screen and scaring the living daylights out of you and i was playing it with kev and b the other night and <laughs> I heard he, we were talking about this we, we didn't really know what it was but this is our first time playing it whatever and we're running around and we're chatting to each other on the mic and all i hear from here from kev's side of the mic is oh fuck jesus christ <laughs> but he'd opened a box and gotten like a pop-up thing and gotten the, the fright of his life so that's been fun to play for a scary season <laughs> i nice. thought i was done with warzone um, but yeah, I've gotten settled back into just just a couple of rounds, you know, play with friends, whatever. It's a yeah. nice thing to do with the odd even. That's great. I had no idea they'd done a, a zombies mode that fits a battle royale format, but that sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah, it is are fun. You, are you fast zombies? When? You are. You can. You get some power up, so you get this like frenzy that makes you run a bit faster. But the thing that everyone was using to try and catch up with these quad bikes and dirt bikes is you get like a, this cool bonus jump. Oh, okay. So this, yeah. the, you can do like these leap for like a massive distance and cool. stuff like that. So it was loads of zombies just like leaping through the air trying to catch these guys on quad bikes. It was really, really fun. The was very cinematic as well. So, yeah. but I mean, hats off to that game because I'm not, I'm not the biggest Call of Duty praiser, 
I never really got into, I mean, I was probably like an older teenager when I really played like the multiplayer games hard, you know, online. Yeah. And I haven't really looked back since. But the Battle Royale game, like we were, we jumped down and me, myself and Kev were playing it. And they changed the whole map to be like nighttime and to be spooky. And to have these like, you know, bonus scary things. You Like the, the, the train became a flaming ghost train. Oh, cool. <laughs> and it's such an interesting time to be alive for video games because that's, a possibility like people can make games like that you can jump yeah. into a battle royale and they'll oh it's halloween season we're going to change up the here was me thinking i you know how impressive impressive am i changing the theme song of this podcast to a halloween <laughs> and they changed the entire you know makeup of a game yeah. just in time for like and they have it on for three weeks tops maybe three yeah. weeks a month and that's yeah. it and i was like that's the seasonal you know? things and games as a service are already a really lo- are always a really lovely touch like it feels like yeah. a love letter to the players yeah to their experience so yeah so hats off so i suppose yeah. we should crack into some of these these the news that's out it's there today child. yeah um let me just pull up the first one so we'll start off with the old the big one for october which is microsoft completes activision blizzard acquisition and call of duty is now part of xbox so let me just zoom in here because my eyesight's bad because i'm old um <laughs> older uh so this is coming from The Verge by Tom Warren, and it goes like this. Microsoft has finalized its $68.7 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard, the publisher of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Diablo. The Verge exclusively reported last week that Microsoft was planning to close today, and now it's official. The acquisition required 20 months of battles with regulators in the UK and US, but Microsoft has closed its Activision Blizzard deal after defeating the Federal Trade Commission in a US federal court and restructuring the deal to appease the Competition and Markets Authority in the UK. Uh, quote, we love gaming. We play games, create games. We know firsthand how much gaming means to all of us as individuals and collectively as a community. And today we officially welcome Activision Blizzard and their teams to Xbox, says Xbox chief Phil Spencer. He continues, as one team will learn, innovate and continue to deliver on our promise to bring the joy and community of gaming to more people. We'll do this in a culture that strives to empower everyone to do their best work where all people are welcome and is centered on our ongoing commitment of gaming for everyone, end quote. The deal is Microsoft's largest acquisition ever, far in excess of the $26 billion Microsoft paid to acquire LinkedIn in 2016 and the $7.5 billion it paid to acquire Bethesda in 2021. This is Microsoft's biggest ever push into gaming too, and the company said at the original announcement of this uh, mega deal that it will now be, quote, the third largest gaming company by revenue behind Tencent and Sony, end quote. Microsoft now plans to add many of Activision Blizzard's games to Xbox Games Pass. Quote, Today we start the work to bring beloved Activision Blizzard and King franchises to Game Pass and other platforms, says Spencer. He continues, we'll share more about uh, when you can expect to play in the coming months. Uh, We know you're excited and we are too. Uh, Activision Blizzard made it clear earlier this week that Modern Warfare 3 and Diablo 4 won't be coming to Xbox Game Pass this year though. Microsoft hasn't provided an update on Xbox Games Pass subscription numbers since announcing 25 million subscribers alongside the original Activision Blizzard deal announcement in January 2022. Microsoft will now add more than nine game studios from the Blizzard side alone to its Xbox Game Studios alongside game studios in more than 11 locations for the mobile gaming king side of the acquisition. Microsoft is also transformed into a publishing powerhouse after the acquisition with more than 8,500 Activision employees now joining Microsoft. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotek will remain in place to help with the transition until the end of 2023. Quote, I have long said that I am fully committed to helping with the transition, says Kotek in an email to Activision Blizzard employees today. Uh, Quote, Phil has asked me to stay on as CEO of ABK, reporting to him, and we have agreed that I will do that through to the end of 2023. We both look forward to working together on a smooth integration for our teams and players, end quote. There it is, Luke. After months of speculation, we've been, this has always been on the tip of the podcast since we started yeah. and there it is it's done since there was a news episode there's been this story coming back again and again and again unresolved yeah. and it's reached resolution yeah only cost them close to 70 billion dollars just a drop in the drop in the pond trail bill capital b1 interesting enough because we know bobby kotex a bit of a not a yeah. an amazing individual i guess it took them to be bought over for him to finally leave so i guess he's staying to the end of 2023 we don't know what happens after that but hopefully that'll be end of the end of his reign um yeah. in activision blizzard um interestingly enough let me just pull it back up here i have a list of games that activision owns okay and yeah. you'll be you know, so of course we've got the call of duty games yeah uh Sekiro, uh what else have we got here Sekiro's activision yeah tony Ooh. hawks the tony hawks games prototype although that's that's a long time ago now uh, interesting enough though Luke Xbox now owns Crash Bandicoot and Spyro <laughs> the Dragon no that's under Activision oh under Activision. that makes sense yeah. yeah 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 wow okay god I always feel so robbed when I've paid so much money towards franchises and then they become free for me yeah uh, yeah cool we got the purple dragon and the, the orange bandicoot that'll be 
Yeah, that'd be two sick. powerhouses for the PlayStation. You know, they were yeah. big PlayStation, you know, mascots, and now they are owned yeah. by the Big Green. Yeah, yeah, they're not. I wouldn't really like. They're not really. It's not that they're not money makers now, but I think they've probably captured all the revenue they're going to with uh, the Insane trilogy for Crash and the Reignited trilogy for Spyro. Yeah already being made and done like there's, there's nothing remakes. left for them and i can't yeah. imagine activision now under the the tutelage of xbox will go and and revitalize spyro or, or crash bandicoot i'd say those franchises in my opinion are probably dead in the water now that's that's the end of yeah yeah it's just a kind of a revenue collection thing uh, jesus christ crash bandicoot and spyro like <laughs> these these two games that i would have played as a kid that just you know screamed playstation at me yeah. that's why i got xbox. a playstation one was to get spyro, spyro. The dragon. i remember yeah. playing in your house chasing after those dudes with the dragon eggs the, 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 nah, 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 nah. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the impossible to, we spent ages trying to, <laughs> trying to catch them um i suppose when you look at it, it makes them the third biggest revenue um guys behind tencent and then sony from yeah. a gaming industry's perspective yeah. uh which i'm surprised that i thought that would have made them team leaders essentially but i guess sony and tencent tencent own so much stuff though so i guess tencent own were tencent not part owners of blizzard or maybe they were before the activision king merger yeah yeah well they wouldn't have anything to do it now it's all all microsoft baby they're tencent are over league of legends and they're over all the massive like like riot games and all the those big studios warcraft league of legends man xbox is absolutely bagged it's crazy Yeah, true sir yeah i'm forgetting that uh riot partnered up with microsoft as well um yeah it's been huge uh really interesting thing that stuck out to me in that article when you're reading through uh thing that phil spencer said was he did kind of put a point of emphasis on uh creating environments in which all people feel welcome i think that that's just paraphrasing what you quoted him on kind of near the start of the article um but that kind of felt like a bit of a nod to you know some of the misogynistic awful shit that was going on at blizzard under the current ceo um and how they want to create a shift out I away hope, from that kind of toxic culture i hope culture. so because like the thing about kotech is the the dude has survived for so long in that role given all of the evidence that pointed towards a horrible toxic work, work, workplace that he was the head of and was essentially you know compiling yeah and it's like i mean this animal to be like yeah he's asked me to stay on to the end of 2023 to, to oversee and i'm like is this the end of kotech are we gonna like find out that he's got like a, he's been ha- handed some sort of know bse executive producer role still in blizzard somehow that he's just hanging on in there like i just is this the yeah. end of kotech i hope it is i hope they banish that and i hope they can microsoft can make the, the that blizzard a better place to work because chris who's a big and um, would have been a big blizzard player back in the day was so mm-hmm. disappointed and was doing his best to avoid playing or buying blizzard games yeah. in his own version of a protest remember he was saying on the episode so it would be nice for gamers to finally be able to kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say okay i can i can go back to it like if kotek leaves and the culture changes yeah. i can go back to buying those games go free now that, now that the people are respected and you know if i'm saying if we don't know what the future holds but it was a go I, phil it, it was a, a pain point for me talking to friends who are really into like world of warcraft and stuff like that to, and it was very easy for me to take the stance of like i think that's bullshit i don't think you should be playing the games because i don't play any yeah. wizard games i'm yeah. not but some people are so bought into their world of warcraft subscriptions and it's hard as well like, like we decades. do the podcast luke and i'm looking at news articles and i spend a lot of time looking at gaming news and as a you know a couple of, you know, two three years ago before i ever considered getting into this in the way that we have i wouldn't have been overly aware of those kind of things like you yeah. know video game crunch and stuff like that is a thing i pay a lot of attention yeah. to now would always disappoint to me with red dead redemption 2 and all that kind of stuff but going back a couple of years i never would have paid attention to that so there's a lot of people out there who just have no like they're playing their world of warcraft or league of legends have no yeah. idea that that, that the where yeah. they're getting these games from is these horrible toxic misogynistic sexist places to 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 work in you know yeah you kind of some people kind of exercise a death of the author kind of approach to things and you could say that that's cope but i, I, I don't know I don't it's a tough one reason. man it's like yeah, yeah. and that's the thing as well I'm, I'm always like listen i'll tell people what i know is going on and the decision then is up to, up to you yeah, or what yeah. you do you know entirely and there's only so much purchasing power that like you know individuals in the gaming community can possibly have to affect anything true but, you know, but it, it would be lovely conscience. to see a it would be lovely to see a, an ecosystem change like a maybe a I, I just when we talked about it on the podcast before it did always feel gross to think that there were people who worked at a company doing a thing that they love to do but just didn't feel comfortable because of a, an immutable aspect of themselves like that's gross outrageous that's that's really gross outrageous um, in this day so hopefully that kind of thing changes yeah yeah well we'll wait and see and as for that like that's it we won't have to report on Activision. Yeah. i think the only things that we'll probably have left to say about this is and it's what i'm interested in and worried in about the moving forward with the future mm-hmm. is uh call of duty 
where does that does that yeah. come out for PlayStation still? Is that is that part of their plan? Is it a do they make it a, a Games Pass Day One exclusive when the next one comes out and it's only on the Xbox, you know, environment that you can um, play this game? Same with, I mean, I'm looking at like Diablo and I mean World of Warcraft, League of Legends, that kind of stuff has never bothered me anyway. That seems to me more of the PC side of stuff, so it will always stay the PC side of stuff. But the Diablos, the Call of Duties, the Tony Hawks, if they ever decide to come back, I will be devastated if they stay exclusive to Xbox. We'll wait and see because again, it, does it make financial sense not to have it on all these other systems? Yes, no, who knows? They have their, mm. they've got their figures and their plans and their data to see is it more effective to bring more people to their um their systems and all that type of stuff. But we'll wait and see. I hope it doesn't do that because, like I said, I just love for even for you know I'm a PlayStation cheerleader for sure, but I'd love to see the Final Fantasies, the Horizons, the the um. Uh, gods of war and everything like that just be available for everybody to play because they're fantastic games and people are putting huge amounts of effort into these brilliant games and everyone should just be able to play it on whatever yeah. system they have yeah i totally agree totally agree all right now we'll move on to um do you want to hit unity or disney next Ooh, what's let's, your let's pick do your poison? unity unity is more in my crosshairs i think um, okay i'm definitely gonna um butcher this dude's surname but bear with me okay uh, so unity ceo john riccatelio uh, the Riccatelio, that's what we're going with. That's okay. probably awful. But Riccatelio, that's what we're doing. Uh, steps down after the pricing blow-up. Weeks after calls for his resignation echoed throughout the video game industry, Unity CEO is retiring. So this comes from Wired by uh, Megan Frockmanesh. Um, also, butchered his surname. I'm so sorry for anybody listening. So here we go. Unity President and CEO John Riccatelio is retiring from the company as well as from his role as chairman and a member of the company board of directors, effective immediately. The company has appointed James Whitehurst as interim chief executive officer. Rigatello is expected to, quote, advise Unity to ensure a smooth transition as Unity begins a comprehensive search for a new CEO. The company has said in a press release announcing this move. Rigatello's sudden, sudden retirement comes mere weeks after a massively unpopular move on Unity's behalf to change its fee structure for its um, eponymous cross-platform game engine. Its pricing would have included a new runtime fee, a 20-cent charge to developers every time a player installed the game after it reached 200,000 downloads and $200,000 in revenue. That change would have also taken place retroactively, meaning developers with games already in progress or even released would be included. Hundreds of developers released statements denouncing Unity, with some even calling for Riccatelio's resignation. The uproar from across the game industry led to Unity walking back some of those charges. The damage done to Unity's reputation for some developers was irreparable. Quote, We simply don't trust them to stick to their word, Brandon Sheffield, founder of the game developer Necrosoft, previously told Wired. Uh, quote, we don't trust them to update their engine in ways that affect us as a PC console developer in a positive way. I think that they have done irreparable damage to their brand for game developers in general, and the walkback isn't going to fix it, end quote. In a brief statement within the company's press release, Fricatello, who joined Unity as a board member in 2013 and took on a leadership position in 2014, called it, quote, a privilege to lead Unity for nearly a decade and serve our employees, customers, developers, and partners, all of whom have been instrumental to the company's growth, end quote. Riccatelio has made controversial statements about monetiza monetization and its role in the gaming development before. Last year, he issued an apology after describing developers as, quote, some of the biggest fucking idiots. End quote, in response to an interview about game makers pushing back on implementing monetization early in the development process. <laughs> wow, that was a recent interview? He... Uh, last year, apparently. <laughs> that, 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 at least last year he apologized about it. I don't know when the actual interview was, but last year he apologized about it. Oh, man. <laughs> wow, dude. That's uh <laughs> Yeah. It's your wow. entire entire base for what you earn your, your, your dollar dues, you know what I mean? Yeah. It does. This, this whole issue does spark up a couple of things for me. Uh, one of them being that I kind of, I do really like how vocal gaming the gaming community at large can be. I'm not sure, I can't say it's like unilaterally always uh, used for good or that it doesn't cause people undue stress. But uh, the Unity stuff was kind of a thing that was led by developers, like the backlash for that was led by developers who kind of spoke to their base, spoke to the people who pay for their games and the people reacting in kind. And it was kind of, there was something kind of beautiful about it. It's not lovely on any front because... No, but it was like in terms of it was a, it was a, because it was a, it was a shitty move for you to do what they were doing. The retroactive move was, was pure insanity in terms of people just having to, all of a sudden just having to fork out tons of cash if their game was doing well. Yeah. For absolutely no reason other than Unity decided that they want more money. Like there was no protection mm -hmm. in there with that. And that, and I think that was what really sparked off the debate that you developers were like, actually we, we, Unity, we there is no protection. If they just yeah. change their mind at any point in time, 
we're we're not protected you know yeah. and that's that's a crazy concept that there's no you know you you agree to your terms and conditions because i started a, like a games course on unity or whatever else and i i went to i like i mean very briefly looked at the terms and conditions but i was like from what i gleaned from it i was like okay cool so this isn't what i'm what i'm accepting here isn't what i'm accepting forever like yeah. they've given themselves the back door to be like oh we'll we can change these terms and conditions at any point in time of the time that you're a part of unity and i was like crikey that's pretty bold yeah but it's it's kind of the case that like for a lot of developers developers are, are businesses like they're and they're running like a business they have their overheads they they're their expenditures and they have their incomes they're trying to balance it all to work as dev studios into the future and if you've always made games with unity for no extra service you know, were just charging extra all of a sudden out of nowhere and that extra charge fucked up loads of game studios like yeah. balance sheets and they were all in the red all of a sudden if unity were to go ahead and, and it and just allowed because you know the game community is a lovely community but however it can be awful like review bombing certain games because oh, like yeah, you yeah, know yeah. of, of yeah. the sexual orientation of characters and yes, stuff like that there's yeah. there's, a, there's a dark side to the gaming community as yeah. well but the idea that you could be charged 20 cent an installation of a game. I was like, well, there's a whole new way for people to protest games. Yeah. Just go out and have loads of computers downloading the games constantly, deleting yeah. it and installing it and deleting it. And I was like, that's just, that there's no protection there for anybody. And it was a crazy move. And the fact that this guy has gone and um, resigned, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, but, but you know, you make your bed, you sleep in it. And he's been sleeping in it from last year, apparently calling game developers <laughs> the biggest fucking idiots. I was like, dude you know yeah that's rough just 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 greedy people running things that should be <laughs> you're not run by greedy people people who love things for what they are you know yeah well, that's the unity one look not not great but that's an end to that one i guess too and um, but interestingly enough it seems like a lot of people still haven't um forgiven unity regardless of whatever options they take now because i remember reading a lot of um tweets from developers the la when this news first broke and we were we mm -hmm. were covering it last month or the month before i can't remember when it happened but all the tweets were like hey we're going to move over to this now yeah. Anybody who wants to make games, don't bother with Unity, blah, blah, blah. A real collective to be like, just absolutely um, protest the crap out of this this company. Yeah, and it's a good it's good for them to kind of, uh, you know, draw a line in the sand where too much is too much for them as they move to another platform. So that other platform, like a bunch of other uh, game engines are going to have like a huge spike in like studios starting to like Unreal is going to have a spike. Godot, like even some of the smaller ones are going to have spikes in, in their user base. And they have to respect that the reason for this is Unity, like just kind of out of nowhere, changed the terms of the of the agreement, and they said we're not having that and left. So it kind of sets a precedent for these other studios as well to be respected that you know we're using your game engine because of your current model. Yeah. And if you fuck with that, we'll just go. We're, somewhere we're, else. we're just gonna leave. We have yeah. that power. There are other options yeah. out there for us to, to go to. Yeah. Um. I think this next article is probably like is the last real article of the episode my the last article is just a fun one for me okay. um because i said it was a pretty weak month in terms <laughs> of news but this is that disney reportedly looking into acquire a major publisher like ea ceo bob Iger said to be non-committal about potential deal Um, this is coming from oh i haven't actually gotten um who wrote this article where it's from i will go back and sort that out because obviously you got to you know, mm. mentioned who did, did this stuff, but let's let's go through the article anyway, and then I'll I'll, I'll have a quick gander as to as to who it's by. Uh, Disney's reportedly looking to acquire Electronic Arts or a company of a similar scale as a way back into games publishing, as reported by Bloomberg. So some Disney executives have have allegedly suggested that CEO Bob Iger could transform the company from a gaming licensee to publisher by acquiring EA. Iger is reportedly non-committal about the potential acquisition. GamesIndustry.biz reached out to Disney for clarification. This is an article from GamesIndustry.biz, everybody. That I'll find out who wrote it. Uh, EA reportedly discussed acquisition plans with Disney uh, last year. The publisher also allegedly talked with NBC Universal, Amazon, and Apple. However, talks with NBC Universal reportedly fell through. Disney was a games publisher until 2016 when it closed Disney Infinity Studio Avalanche and exclusively struck, uh, stuck to a licensing model for properties it owns for developers to use. Recent Disney licensed games include Return to Monkey Island, Disney Illusion Island, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Lego Star Wars The Star War Skywalker Saga. Upcoming titles include Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, Spider-Man 2, Star Wars Outlaws, and an Indiana Jones games by Wolfenstein developer Machine Games. In recent years, Disney has told GamesIndustry.biz it's keen to work with studios of all sizes as it expands its presence in games, most recently emphasizing that no IP is off-limits to indie developers. Uh, I just looked it up really quickly there. That was by Sophie McAvoy. Thank Game you. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing a terrible job today, huh? Um, okay. So Disney, back in video games, Luke, I mean... <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> i mean i listen i'm a big marvel fan um 
uh, I'd love to be I'd love to be out there as a social justice warrior all the time, Luke. But goddamn, I love what Disney does. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I love. I, I it gave me Sora, um, Kingdom Hearts. It's given me all the Marvel things. It gave me the, one of the greatest cinematic experiences I ever had, and in, in going to the cinema and watching Endgame. Um, but uh, them looking to buy EA is that greed begets greed. Uh, I don't know. There's definitely some element of like missed opportunity of revenue capture happening there because I video games feel like for money make for big industries for making money like it just seems like a no-brainer for disney to move into that industry when yeah. you see like gta 5 comes out and makes like 50 billion in the first like couple of years Crazy, yeah. like no movie is going to make that amount of no. money well isn't 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 it is the video game industry the biggest industry now it's bigger than film right i i don't know to be honest i really i don't know i don't even know the metrics that you'd measure that by but how yeah how how would you do it it would kind of make sense that it would be because like the price point for games is like 60 70 quid whereas for a movie the cinema ticket it's like still like 10 to 15 quid um but uh with the games as a service model coming through like off the back of like when gta 5 came out and fifa became games as a service league of legends big games as a service now call of duty's games as a service these models kind of print money so if you have a solid idea under it it's a money-making phenomenon and the only reason i think that disney haven't gotten into it up until this point is because people at the top like bob Iger, are just been ignorant to why it makes so much money or yeah or how it works and just is, in terms of uh, the drum.com um yeah. have quoted gaming is in the largest sector in the entertainment in uh business with a worth of 176 billion dollars in 2021 which is bigger than hollywood wow damn yeah mm-hmm. um yeah it's uh, again it feels like a bit of a, a no-brainer but you would just have to understand i get why there'd be hesitancy if you're not big into the gaming industry like you kind of see all this money being made yeah. but you don't understand how so maybe it's just a bubble or maybe it's just a phenomenon that's gonna they've been off. they've been licensing things out but they haven't really been curating it in a way that's been successful like when you look at the battlefronts like ea had the licenses for star wars games for years had exclusive licenses to star wars games yep. for years and kind of bottled it like star wars being the massive phenomenon that it is you think it's probably one of the easiest sellers out there for video games and ea just never did really anything substantial with it Uh, which is kind of weird that i look at you know it seems to be that if disney were to come into the industry it's looking like it'd be an acquisition of ea as opposed to ubisoft or any anybody else um which i find surprising because ea was kind of the one company that that failed them in terms of the licensing their games out to or licensing their IPs out to because the moment EA lost that licensing, they had it for 10 years and they lost it, I think, last year, the year before. Yeah. And that license to, to the exclusive license to do Star Wars games. And now there's a couple others that are coming out, like Star Wars Outlaws. Is, I don't think that's done by EA. Um, good question, actually. Who's Star Wars Outlaws? Because that game looks amazing. I haven't actually seen anything of, of this. Um, but uh, no, yeah, you, you do have points that. It, it does kind of feel like EA fumbled the ball when it was passed to them, like this yeah. kind of cash cow that was Star Wars, the new trilogy was coming out, Battlefront already a really established IP in the gaming industry. And they never, like, and, and it was funny because Battlefront already existed in the Ether, Battlefront 1 and 2, back in the PlayStation yep. 2 days, were phenomenally good games, mm-hmm. and they kind of bottled that. Yeah, so Star Wars Outlaws, which looks like, to me, having looked at the trailers, looks like it could be a very promising Star Wars games, is done by Ubisoft. Okay. So, the, the yeah, the, the license for EA is gone there. Um... I mean, look, I've got no control over these things anyway. Does Disney coming in and buying it make any difference to me? I guess not. It'd be interesting to see what other IPs you'd get if Disney kind of took over a whole, um, if they became a a publisher as opposed to just a licensee or a developer as opposed to just a publisher. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be, it's always felt, this is a bit of an abstract point, but it's always felt like there hasn't been a lot of, I'm trying to find the right word, like t- contiguity across Disney uh, projects on in video games. So you had that like Animal Crossing esque Disney game. I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, called. the um, it was just kind of yeah that that kind of very kind of sim feel with all the Disney yeah. characters in it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah you you, had, you make your avatar and all the Disney characters exist in this Dream Valley. Dream Valley, yeah. yeah. So you had a game game like that. You have obviously the Kingdom Hearts stuff lives in its own universe, and then you have the Star Wars titles. Like there is no connected kind of vision which is one thing that disney does seem to have across their film franchises anyway but the problem with it is is that it's you know with the video game industry they're able to exploit i think it from a business model in terms of get more money one of the games i recently um downloaded because it was free for um free for the switch was the speed run 
the uh, Disney's version essentially of Mario Kart has all the Disney characters Disney maps it's a oh, racing right. game okay um, but again one of those games that you're, you're just bombarded with buy this in the shop buy this character <laughs> in the shop buy that level yeah. in the shop and it's unfortunate because I think that's that's what a Disney video game truly will look like you won't get a yeah. Mario Kart or a Smash Brothers where, where here's this you know entire game based on the 60 70 euro that you'll pay for it and it is complete start to finish and well polished and we'll add different things that you can pay for DLC for it will, I think with Disney owning if they ever were to become a developer it would be this micro transaction hellscape because I think Disney is unfortunately one of those people that are looking to maximize profits I guess because you're a business of course is what you're going to yeah. want to do but if they're just going to step into the into the video game industry it'll be like okay we're going to make all these games on our IPs but they're not going to be a, a 61 and done a lot will yeah. be free to play in this massive microtransaction hellscape yeah that's that's very possibly the direction it's going to go the more I talk about it the more I feel like I don't want a uniform vision for Disney video games. Like, I don't want them to stymie creativity because mm. it is kind of lovely how different all the Disney-adjacent games are. Um, I don't want it to move to some one kind of uniform, free-to-play, buy cosmetics and buy levels. And buying levels always really annoys me as well. Yeah, crazy. For, I wonder, like, and this is just from a personal perspective, but I wonder what a deal like this, let's say if it went through next month out of curiosity, I wonder what that would do to the Kingdom Hearts series as a... I'm sure they probably still are happy enough to license games into other companies. I'm sure they're probably still there. Squaresoft and, and, and Square Enix. Oh, Squaresoft, she's down. It's not 1999 anymore. <laughs> um, I'm sure they're probably still allowed to Nomura and his team and Square Enix to, to make that game. Um, but yeah. Is the is the next Kingdom Hearts game going to have Disney characters or is that an unknown? Uh, no, it will. I watched it great. Oh my God. Uh, this is going off topic, but we've got time because yeah, there's no yeah, news. <laughs> so I'm going to go on a Kingdom Hearts spiel here. Yeah. Um, I watched it very interesting uh, YouTube video that was talking about the history of Final Fantasy 15 in terms of the problems that it faced and the fact that it was versus 13 mm -hmm. originally and mm -hmm. went through all of these different um, things but this seems to be uh, Nomura's first kind of um, within the industry it strikes me as something that he was left very disappointed by with a very bitter pill left in his mouth of what his vision for 15 was the fact that he was taken off the team and someone else was left to finish that game but the end of Kingdom Hearts 3 had a or even in Kingdom Hearts 3 in the Toy Story world there was a video game called Verum Rex in that you could look at it was in the shops in Toy Story yeah. it was in the shops it was on the shelf it was like an in-world video game mm -hmm. and then I was looking at this guy who doesn't really look a whole lot like Noctis but the rest of his team had a real familiarity like you know in Final Fantasy 15 you have a team of Noctis Gladius um uh, Ignis and Prompto, these four, these for this that, that that they're the bros, you know. Yep. And this Verum Rex game had four characters: a leader who kind of wore similar clothes to an old, like if you watch the old trailers for Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. this guy um is wearing a lots of similar kind of clothing. There's a Prompto looking guy and an Ignis looking guy. And I'm glad but I watched this thing about the Final Fantasy 15 and what it means for the future, and and they got into the Nomura aspect of it, and they went into Kingdom Hearts Four and talked about how that is now essentially going to be Nomura's Final Fantasy 15 because Sora has ended up in the very brief trailer that we've seen. He's ended up in a world called Quadratum, I think. And in in apparently, if whatever leaks or whatever things have been heard to the grapevine, Quadratum is where, uh, was one of the original names that Nomura had used for his vision of Final Fantasy 15. Right, it's where Noctis okay. and the whole crystal thing was from in his version of, of Versus 13 before it was called 15. Yep. So to me, it looks like he's taken the Kingdom Hearts series and is now just, you know, it's his own personal pet project that he's just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this, this medium to tell my Versus 13 story. So will it have Disney characters? Yes, the trailer still showed um, Donald and Goofy and I think Hades oh, okay. in the very end of this trailer. But this trailer was released like two, three years ago, I think now. So I don't know where it is. That there's been nothing since. It's been dead silence since. Yeah, okay. They released, I think, on to, you could download it, like the, the track that was in that trailer because um, the Kingdom Hearts music has always been regardless of the story the narrative if you hate it love it whatever else the music in Kingdom Hearts games has always been top tier yeah. but they released the track that was in that trailer which is phenomenal that was last year and there's been dead silence since but no the Donald and Goofy and Hades were definitely in there I think they'll still have Disney characters for sure my fear is that he'll pull so far away from what made Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 so good which was that real Final Fantasy characters having an actual um, 
motivation to be there they yeah. had like things that they needed to do they had plans and whatever else and they, they played a part of the story so i think we're going to lose that and i think we'll probably lose a lot of the, i think you'll probably get very basic disney characters as well and it'll just be versus 13 with sora <laughs> essentially like <laughs> yeah. yeah true that that could be crap I, I do get the kind of flashbacks too because i was so into the before it was called 15 it was called final fantasy versus 13 yeah and i was so into the hype for that and like the vision of what that game was going to be noctis was a very you character as well i remember I'm watching so... those trailers with you and he struck me as like like if luke's gonna like a, a protagonist right. it's this dude like i was you know? so into it and into the vision and i was so excited for 15 and i've played like hundreds of hours of 15 and I'm, I still feel like I haven't gotten to experience what that vision was. Like what that, uh, he looked like the character from that trailer yeah. and they all, it looks like that kind of story. And there's a lot of things I do like about 15, yeah. but I ne- don't feel like it really grasped at the kind no, of it, drama it, it, that seven and eight like yeah, reached for. And that's what, that's what it, it fell through. It did some things well, but narratively it definitely fell on. I mean, the, the, the bromance in that game was amazing, but yeah. it definitely fell flat on, I think almost every other aspect. It's a lot of su- style over substance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is a pity. So listen, Kingdom Hearts 4, Luke, maybe that's the game you need to get into. <laughs> You'll finally good, get maybe. your versus 13 that you've been craving. That'd be cool. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd feel good to get excited about a Kingdom Hearts game again. Yeah, well, listen, it'll probably be out in eight years and make zero sense. <laughs> I look forward to the day, you know? <laughs> I do, I do love the, the Kingdom Hearts as always because I always laugh about how you and me did the, you know, we tried to do podcast episodes years ago back yeah. in your spare bedroom, you know, in your house and I was always doing the Sora, for, hashtag Sora for Smash and I'd always mention <laughs> any more rumours, Darren, about Sora being in Smash Bros and I was like, nah, there's nothing or whatever, I'll keep hope and lo and behold he is in it but like, it's it's nice for me that there's still Kingdom Hearts stuff to be excited about. I like how I've turned yeah. this news episode into Darren I'm going to talk about Kingdom Hearts for <laughs> the while. Who cares, man? It's just great. I'll go, I'll, go into our next, I'll go into our next and final story, Luke, which is also a story for me. Um, it's a game that I have, but I've not yet played, and I'm very excited oh, to right, play. Okay. And this is so. This is just it's about Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and I've just brought up Open right. Critic, right, yeah, yeah. just to get the reviews. This is just me getting pumped and and kind of just doing a bit of um, would you say free, free um media for for Nintendo here. Mm. Um, so the top critic average of Super Mario Brothers Wonders is 92, and the 98 oh. percent of critics recommended it. So just to give you some of the top games, IGN gave it a nine out of ten, Eurogamer five out of five. Metro Game Central, 10 out of 10. Games Radar, plus 4.5 out of 5. Game Informer, 9.3 out of 10. 10. GameSpot, 9 out of 10. Destructoid, 9 out of 10. Hobby Consales, which is such, I don't know who that is, but I love the na- that name, at 92 out of 100. Wow, yeah. And I'm super excited to play this because uh, myself and Danny for years used to always play, uh, my good mate Danny used to play Super Mario Bros. 3. Mm-hmm. Um, probably yearly we'd meet up yearly and we'd, we'd go through the eight worlds of that game and it was really really challenging for it. I remember the first time we played through that it took us months and months and months to crack yeah, um, you know world eight some of the levels and as time went on it was it was cool because we'd almost finish it in two sessions you know four mm. worlds in the first session four worlds in the second session and we were going to play it one evening and Kev B who's on the podcast and our other friend Niall were like hey do you guys mind if we sit in and watch and we're like of course yeah I mean if you don't mind watching a really old Mario game from the 90s they're like nah 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 and now they're on board so me and me and Kev are team Luigi and Niall and Danny are team Mario we <laughs> we were playing through this game but like you know loving it real lots of fun or whatever else and uh, I put up to the guys hey this is new game Super Mario Brothers Wonders coming out and I'm so excited to sit down with them and play through the next iteration of I mean, it's 3D but essentially a 2D platformer do you yeah, know what I mean like yeah, a yeah. 3D in its art style mm-hmm. but it's a 2D platformer mm-hmm. um, but based on the reviews I'm so pumped to finally get into this uh, some, I think um, Kev said he watched an IGN review on it and they said it's the best game since Super Mario World which is fun because when we finished Super Mario Bros. 3 with Kev and Niall they were like is there anything else you can <laughs> do like this I mean Daniel <laughs> were like well this Super Mario World that's also another incredible Super Mario 3D World no, Super Mario, just Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. Oh, on the Super Nintendo, the old, yeah. old one. Yeah, so because yeah, the okay. Super Mario Brothers 3, we were playing off. It's great now that I have the Switch, but there was a time when I used to bring over my Super Nintendo yeah. and Mario All-Stars, the cartridge, and that's how we used to play it on SNES controllers. Now we've got the Switch and all that kind of stuff, so you can play it through them. But uh, yeah, they were like, is there anything else we can play? And I said, well, there's this game, Super Mario World. You guys should check it out. And we've had a blast playing that. And now I'm excited to kind of play the modern version of that my only fear is that a lot of what they're saying in the in the in the reviews is that it's definitely more of a family friendly kind of game whereas super mario Bros. 3 and super mario world had really really challenging yeah really really challenging levels my only worry is that this is going to be too too simple but the 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 reason i was keen to get this and get the guys up on the modern day mario to play this one with me is because it's a four player at the same time kind of madness and i think that that in itself would make the game 
more challenging in a kind of funny chaotic kind of way but i was just i have the game we haven't played it yet and just when i saw these reviews come out in october i said i need to just throw this onto the you who, know who are the characters three and four well it's obviously mario and luigi are one and two do you know who three and four yeah are? well they've got a few characters in this one so generally speaking oh, it right. was always if in, a, in like in super mario brothers 2 there was four characters and it was mario luigi peach and toad Oh, okay. um, and in this one, you've got Mario, Luigi, Peach, Toad, Toadette, Daisy, and Yoshi as char- oh, playable yeah, characters. Okay. I think I think that's everybody. Oh, there is um, I don't know if you remember. But I think you can play as him in this one. Uh, I I only recognize him from uh, Smash Brothers, a Smash Brothers level. Uh, there's a character that jumps in. He's a cis trophy, and I think he appears on a level. But he's got a like a, a robber's knapsack, and he catches you in it, and then flies away. Can't remember what his name is. He's in a Smash Bros. level. He is also a playable character, okay. <laughs> which is such a weird choice. Um, yeah. While the you know you could play as Goombas, Koopas, whatever. It's like no, we'll take this random dude with the sack. It's like to... when the new uh, Mario Party games were coming out, and you could play as Monty Mole, and people were like, "Ooh, but this Monty is, Mole!" It was so funny. The Mario Party games were great because we, we played them last Christmas, and I think it was a Kev that played as Monty Mole when the four of us getting together playing it, and we were all like, "Monty, Monty!" <laughs> he immediately became a fan favorite with us, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would recommend anybody out there. I mean, did you? play much of the 2d marios in your life oh yeah big time um uh when i was a kid we got a uh, game boy pockets me and my sister did and the two ones that we had were I'm trying to remember the exact titles because it's always it's always lost on me because they the old marios had such specific titles that changed ever so slightly but uh i had i think the first one that came out on game boy i had which i think was just called super mario brothers mm-hmm. and then i had Super Mario Land 2. Super Mario Land 2, 6 gold coins. Yeah, Fantastic game. Um, And very much out there as a Mario game. Yeah. Really Really different. Really, really goofy and really fun. And like you're chasing after Wario is like the main bad guy in it instead of Bowser. Mm. He's like up on top of the castle. And uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed those when I was a kid. And then when I was a bit older, I got uh, one of those when the retro SNES or retro NES came out. Yeah. Uh, I got one of those and I played like a bunch the, of... The mini? Yeah, the mini. Yeah, the little, cool. That was cool. basically like a retro emulator thing. I got one of those and uh, I played a fair bit of like Mario Land 3 uh, as well on that. And I love Mario them. Land 3 was... So the, uh, do you mean Super Mario Brothers 3? Or Sorry, Super Mario Brothers yes. 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which, which, So there's a real cool debate out there, you know, in the internet e- ether where people are saying which is the better game, Super Mario Brothers 3 or Super Mario World. Yeah. From a rating perspective, I think Super Mario World has pipped Mario 3 by like 2%, like it's 98 versus 96 or whatever. Okay, yeah. To me, Super Mario Brothers 3 will always just be there. <laughs> yeah. They're both fantastic games. I don't really think yeah. any, any one is better than the other. Uh, and I understand why Super Mario World would have won out, but there's there's a level of precision, an yeah. unforgiving precision yeah, that exists yeah. in Super Mario Bros. 3 that I really, you know, when you, when you are good at that game and you get into a flow, it's one of the more satisfying platformer games I've ever played. Even now, like, you know, like, what are we, 30 years later, I'm still yeah. like, wow, this game is this game is damn good now. Like, And that's the, like, Super Mario Bros. on the Game Boy, like the first one that came out on the Game Boy, that really had that, like, degree of unforgiving kind of perfectionism like yeah. it was pixel perfect and me and my dad and my sister used to basically speed run it back in the day like we yeah. tried to beat it as quickly as we possibly could without hitting into any bad guys or anything like that and i remember learning all these tricks to like get through it as quickly as i possibly could and it was like it had to be pixel perfect to be a miss and i got to a stage where i could do it without looking at the game boy like and i loved it i got this i had so much fun but i was thinking uh just mary one is the reason that i'd be super excited about that from a kind of a newsy sort of perspective is that this kind of this is the first 2d mario game that there, to my knowledge that there's been since mario maker 2 i guess uh yes yeah yeah and there has been I, what I was kind of hopeful for when I saw Mario Maker do really well and then Mario Maker 2 do really well, like there were so many community-created levels, they kind of crowdsourced level-making for 2D Mario it games. It was such, a, like, they literally were like, okay, let's build the tool yeah, and we won't do anything else. <laughs> yeah, just let <laughs> the community that, go nuts. Yeah. And what's great about that is um, because we'd run out of content myself, um, Kev, Niall, and Danny, like we'd always play through these worlds, uh, we finished at Mario World and we're kind of like, well, we've got a couple of months left to wait until Wonders comes out. And none of us really wanted to get into like, replay the other ones. We just done them, you know? Yeah. Um, so I said, I'll bring over Mario Maker next time, you know, Mario yeah, Maker yeah. 2. And that has like course worlds. So people have made full worlds that have like eight maps and a little map for you. And each map had like four or five levels. And that was that was so much fun as well. Yeah. Easiest thing in the world for Nintendo to do, being like, yeah. okay, we'll make the tool. You guys make the game. <laughs> yeah, and to, to like... I just have to imagine that spawns some kind of creative approach to making Mario levels that hadn't really 
I don't know. I, I, I just have to imagine that it must have pushed game designers, like people who are, who like level design is their bread and butter. I'd say they were just hooked on the idea of Mario Maker and like yeah. finding some really good, well-designed, like mechanically well-designed levels. I was really hopeful for how that would push the next 2D Mario game. So I'm really, really curious, really keen to see how it's turned out. I'm just excited. I'm excited because the animation style hasn't changed dramatically, of course, but it's changed a little bit and that things are kind of, you know, it it looks meticulous. It looks like there's been a lot of love and care put into this. Like I played a lot of the ones that would have come out on the, like the 2D ones. I mean, 3D in art style, but 2D platformers uh, on the DS and the 3DS and Mm. Super Mario World, 3d world which is a 3d game was fantastic but their 2d version which was just the super mario brothers game the first one and then they had one for the wii u afterwards they were like they were just okay right okay i mean fun to have multi you know a couple of people run on the level but the level design simple the game was super simple it's like this hasn't really grown a lot yeah whereas a lot of people are saying although wonders is a bit more of a you know, it is a simple it's an easier game than the likes of Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World yeah. it seems to have been one of those games that anybody who appreciates Mario can come across and say wow okay they've, they've actually they've thought about this and they've if, if for the first time in a long time they've put a lot of effort like if someone's comparing this to the best 2D Mario games in Super Mario World yeah. you know it's got something in it at least yeah, you know? that's awesome that's really exciting that's a great note to end on. Yeah. What I'll do is before we finish up, Luke, um, I'll just put it out there in terms of uh, selling the podcast, which is something I should probably do more of, you know. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, next week um, on the podcast, for anyone to be interested, given that it's spooky season, uh, myself, Colm, and Kev P will be uh, doing a playthrough this week of as much of Alien Isolation as we can stand. <laughs> and we'll be doing a review of it that will be released on Halloween. So if anybody's interested in, uh, you know, listening to some spooky uh, game talk, uh, there'll be an episode available for ho- Halloween next week. Um, and from the Patreon side of things, if you haven't been up to date on the Patreon, we're currently running a Gift of Gaming Battle Royale in which Sora is gone. And I am <laughs> disgusted um, <laughs> by that. Um, but uh, that, that's been a lot of fun to talk to the guys about. And if you're interested in keeping up with that Battle Royale, we're only two rounds in, seven more rounds to go, I think. Um, that along with loads of other content, there'll be bonus news stuff that myself and Luke will be talking about as well. If you're keen on more Gift of Gaming content, uh, go onto our patreon.com forward slash Gift of Gaming. And from there, you'll be able to find a plethora of content to uh, listen to for the cost of a coffee a month. You could be in on that. And it helps us uh, keep this going, keep the lights and mics on. I say that I'm in my apartment, so <laughs> hopefully I don't need this to pay for my electricity <laughs> bills. Um, but yeah, your support would be greatly appreciated as always. Uh, Luke, thanks a million for popping on this news episode. Um, October quiet month let's look forward to loads of stuff happening in november Woo-hoo. and if you want to listen to some more um kind of you know sparse news stuff myself and luke will be continuing talking on the patreon post show episodes hells yeah we'll chat to you then guys to, uh, to our listeners as always and forever keep enjoying the gift that is gaming peace out peace